Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only beer mile expert podcast. <laughs> I am Joel Gasson with John Fraser as usual, and we are already ahead of last week's bonus episode. As the second I hit record and we started doing this, the internet didn't crap out. That's right. Okay, yes, yes. We didn't, <laughs> Progress. We haven't had my I mean, we had some technical delays because my computer literally took half an hour to start up. Um, but we hadn't actually started doing anything yet, which was the positive. Right, right. Unlike during the bonus episode with Sergio, uh, mm-hmm. where the computer crapped out, which, by the way, I'm glad I checked with the Bomber social media team because I was about to buy my Sergio jersey this week, and uh, they confirmed that the website's not correct, that he's not wearing number 41 just yet. Okay. So that is that is still coming. Though there's, there would be something charming of you having a Sergio Castillo jersey with the wrong number on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, people have already spoken on Twitter uh, and I I do have to go with Sergio on the back, right? Mm, so course, yep. having that on the back and the wrong number, I feel like would be a little much. At least if I had Castillo and then the wrong number, I feel like I could get away with it. But but just, just you know, just waiting on on the bombers and hoping that uh, you know their uh, their social media team clearly has better working technology than we did last week after curling with my kids still awake. I I would hope they did. Because <laughs> they are a multi-million dollar organization. We're two goofballs with a microphone and a laptop. That, that's a barely functioning <laughs> laptop. At least yours kind of works. Mine is just like, 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 and, and mine was the annoying thing today, too, because you're like, just load it up on your phone. It's not as good, but whatever. Okay, fantastic. Get the phone all loaded up. And then as I come back downstairs after grabbing a set of headphones, holy shit, the computer is just working. It's like it knows. Yeah. It's it's trolling you. It's teasing you. I know, like, which is which is fine. I'm 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 okay with this. It's working. We're recording now. All is well, for now at least. Um. So yeah, we of course are going to get into uh, the Riders' big win over the Calgary Stampeders and how, in basically a week's time, a lot can change about just about everything because of that win. Right. And we're going to talk a little bit as well about uh, the news out of Ottawa this week, where not surprisingly, uh, GM Marcel Desjardins is. Out of work and looking forward to spending time with his wife. And just like John Fraser, apparently he is burning bridges on his way out. I love to see it. Seems to be a theme in Ottawa the last number of years. (laughs) Anyway, on here on this fine program, of course, you know that we uh, we love to celebrate athletic achievement. As two guys with very little athletic achievement. It's true. It's true. What you know, the F side runners up of the Saskatoon men's bond spiel, which yeah. Got us basically the same prize as the winners, so I mean, that was kind of the best part of it. <laughs> That's true, it really was. We, we almost got the exact same pizza gift card as the other guys. 
Um, so recently, over the weekend, there was uh, every year there's the Beer Mile World Classic. Uh, this year it took place in Manchester, England. And once again, uh, one of Canada's super athletes that probably very few people have ever heard of, uh, Corey Belmore, took home his third world record, third world title in a new record time of four minutes and 28 seconds and change. Wow. This is like the third or fourth time reading this article that he's basically shattered his own record. Right. Uh, he, when he first competed in 2016, he ran in four minutes and 39 seconds, which apparently shattered the previous record by about 12 seconds. So apparently people before this guy really sucked at this. I was going to say, like, at I least feel comparatively, like he's actually gone into training himself. Yeah, at least comparatively speaking, they sucked at this. I mean, it would take us like an hour to do the running part of this. See, <laughs> I, I, I don't know about me. You say that, Joel. But after but... you've had a couple of beers, a few beers. See, I am deceptively fast for a fat guy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I grew up and I wanted to be a sprinter. But, you know, when you're five foot fuck all and, and like from like northern Ontario, it doesn't really work. But like people have actually been blown away. Like it, it started as a running joke where I got recruited to a slow pitch team. I'm like, no, I am deceptively fast for a fat guy. They're like, yeah, OK, you go play first base. And I literally lagged out an infield single and they're like, holy shit, you are fast. Like, <laughs> It is something I've hung my hat on for a lot of years. The problem is, is putting on the brakes. Cause I think like mm. underneath all the beer and chicken wings, I might actually have explosive muscle tissue. Um, I'm but glad it you said that, muscle like, tissue. Exactly. It gets that keg moving yeah. and the keg is hard to stop. Right. So <clears throat> no, I, I, I can um, understand that. Yeah. I think, I think I would actually like the miles pretty long. I feel like I'd start strong, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'd make an ass out of myself doing this. I mean, I guess it depends I, I, who you... I'm not approaching any world records, no. but I feel like I could put up a respectable number. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I never pretended to be fast, but I have decent speed for a big guy, but only for about the first 60 feet, because that's how far our first base is in softball. <laughs> Anything beyond that, that's I'm pretty okay. much screwed. <laughs> that's, what, if, what if we did the beer mile relay? Like, I do half a mile, you do half a mile. I feel like we'd be okay. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe we could recruit a couple others, and maybe that would be could be by the four by half mile relay against actual people doing the whole mile. We both know that we just recruit four other people, and we'd be coaches. Eh. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that either, I suppose. <laughs> so this brings up a very important question, John. I, I yes, I assume in the beer mile you're just drinking. You know, they're probably just drinking whatever beers. Right. In the picture on the story I saw, he was drinking some kind of amber ale. So it looks like I approve of whatever he was drinking. I, I that's the, I I I also approve of that going mm. for the amber ales rather than just like the conventional lagers. That's that's a good touch. Yeah. So if you were to run the beer mile, and under the let's say different spec set of rules that I've just made up on the spot here. Okay. Okay. Because it's basically you drink a beer, run a quarter mile, drink a beer, run a quarter mile. You know, up until you do four beers in a mile. Right. So under this new set of rules, you have to drink a different beer from a different brewery. At every quarter mile mark. Ooh, I like this. Okay. So, I guess they don't. Tech, I guess they don't necessarily have to be local. Bonus okay. points if they are. Bonus fake points because there's no points awarded. Um, so if you had to pick the four beers that you were to drink during this race from four different breweries, what would they be? Okay, I think I even have an order to these. I'm trying to think what would bat lead off, but I know like the number three would be a white IPA. Because I feel like I'd be like, 
I'd be through the first half mile and be like, oh, God, I'm going to die. And then, oh, no, my favorite beer of all time is just ahead of me. So the third beer would be a white IPA. The fourth would be a Rebellion Lentil. Because I feel like by that point, after three beers, you'd be so bloated and burpy. And remember, the rules of this event are, if you puke, you're done. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not a, I'm not generally a puker when it comes to beer, but running and the foam and everything, I feel like the lentil would be a nice, creamy way to kind of settle it. Now, the tricky part is, I feel like you'd have to start with just a basic beer. So I'm going to go back to Rebellion with beer, you know, that... Tastes yeah. like beer. Four different breweries, though. That was the that was the rule. Oh right, KKK. Then let's go nine mm. miles. Golden ticket. Okay. Yep. So so I've got the golden ticket. Third's the white IPA. Rebellion's lentil takes up the rear. And is it weird? I feel like I'd put a sour in there just to change it up so dramatically on the second beer. No, I don't think so. I think, there, I think there's some legitimacy to that. Yeah, I am thinking the, uh, what's the one from High Key you brought to my house? The, yeah, the it's Waikiki. got, it's got, yeah, the one with the New Zealand hop in. I don't know how to pronounce it. Exactly. It's, it's like the Waikiki sour or something. So whatever that one is. So we're going to go the nine mile golden ticket, the High Key one that neither of us can pronounce, but it's a really good sour. And I feel like a sour doesn't leave you as bloated either. Pile of Bones White IPA, finish off with a Rebellion Lentil, and uh, I feel like I could keep it down, and I honestly think I could break seven minutes. If the world record is four, I feel like with those four beers, uh, I could break seven minutes. This almost sounds like a challenge now. I think it needs to be done. Mm -hmm. I think at the conclusion, or before, do we do it before or after? Maybe in Regina. We do... Before our live episode of the podcast that is inevitably going to happen, I feel like we need to set this up and make this happen. We need to figure out how far around Pile of Bones is and how many laps I'd have to run and time it. This is like two years in advance, but yeah. like this yeah, episode's yeah. going to live on, and I, I, I'm i with you. I want to take on this challenge, and I promise you I will not train for it. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. Of course. Like, I, I can't make this bold <laughs> claim and then, like, not do it. Although... You're going to be up for the Canadian curling trials. I yeah, almost feel like we could want, take a... Do you want to do it in winter when the ground might be icy? Um, I feel like we could find a place to do it where the ground would be okay. And we could get like... Yeah, I, 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 like, I, there's something here and you're going to be here with... Staying at my house here in a few weeks... So I feel like, you know, I I feel like there's something here, Joel. I feel like we can figure something out. Hmm, it's possible. Right. 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 I guess for me... Um, yes, that was the next question. <laughs> if I were to pick four beers, I think I would start... And it, you, you kind of triggered me into thinking a little differently on this, and I, I just don't know if there's a way to get four out of my theory. Okay, okay. And what's and what's that theory you've come up with since I've, you know, because you mentioned nine mile and I remember they there's and I didn't set set a speculation I didn't set set a rule on can size. Oh, see, so you I could was... go Nokomis nine mile, and I'm trying to think of two others that come in like the three fifty five mil cans, so it's less mm-hmm. beer. Right. See, I was thinking they'd be normalized <clears throat> at three fifty five. So like, okay, 
we'd have a lucky volunteer that could pour oh. the tall cans into like a glass, a plastic cup, probably. So we don't fifty five for world record purposes. Yes, and just finish the rest of the beer, right? So okay. we have some brave volunteer come along that like pours it to 355, drinks the rest, and laughs at what we're doing. Fair. Okay, fair enough. That works. Um, so with that theory, then, um, I would kind of start with you like a lighter beer. I think I'd start with an Nokomis Golden Ale. Yep. Okay. Good pick. I think I'd want a bit of a pick-me-up Okay. in round two. Well, maybe round three, I think I want to pick me up. Round two kind of stay a little light, a little lighter, but maybe a little bit more oomph to it. I would probably go with the Rebellion Cerveza. Oh, yes. I forgot about Cerveza, mm-hmm. but I had the lentil cream in there already. Yep. Okay. Uh, curveball at number three, cold brew Americano stout for a little bit of uh, coffee. A little but, bit of like, a... I feel like chugging the stout would just, like, a stout is such a sipping beer, but, like, the chugging it would, ugh, ugh. It's it's I I think I think there's something to it, but we'll see. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And then, uh, yeah, gear down with. Um, I would want to celebrate maybe a little bit for completing it. I would probably go with. Probably the Blackbridge IPA. I've actually really been liking that a lot lately. Oh yeah yeah yeah. That's 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 a, that's a good celebration now. Now, the funny thing is, I know there's enough guys in my fantasy football league that listen to this podcast that I feel mm-hmm. like will arrange this to happen with those specific <laughs> beers. So um, I do. I feel like Travis or Jay will be the volunteer that drinks the little bit of the beer to get it to 355. Uh, and we actually have two former broadcasters uh, and a current color guy in my league. So I feel like we could, like, we could have a recording of this and just play it on the pod as they do play by play of each one of us going through it. It's a possibility. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all coming together. Gas. I love it. We just need to find like, we're both, we're both double vaccinated. We could like find a way to do this at the Saskatoon field house. My buddy cord works for the U of S the Husky hockey team. So I feel like there's something here and I almost think we need to, like you might need to come up a day early for the trials to make this happen. Yeah, I don't know if we were able to pull that off, for being perfectly honest. <laughs> that's 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 fair. We still need to find a way to make this happen yes. somehow. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out in some degree at some point in time in history. Okay, done. So yeah, we're going to talk about uh, the Riders' big win over Calgary, a little bit about Ottawa, and since we've already got us all kind of warmed up on this front, uh, before we get into all that, as usual, John, for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, what is in the glass this week? Uh, don't judge me too much. It's been a week. I had a commercial beer to start, uh, which I am canceling it out with a little lucky bastard vodka, lemon ice. Uh, as I was telling you, and as some people in the inner circle know, got the phone call on Friday that my son was having his, that Max, the oldest, was having his now thrice delayed tonsils and adenoid surgery today and putting in ear, ear tubes. Like, it was just like... Today was a day, and I feel like days like that, you go straight for the hard stuff. So I have a delicious Lucky Bastard Vodka on ice, a little bit of water and a lemon in there, and that just, it makes the day's problems melt away and makes my takes always a little bit spicier. And that's that's really what it's all about. It's true, <laughs> true. 
spicy, terrible takes and yep. feeling good. Uh, for me, I picked up a Blackbridge mixer pack oh, for the weekend. And uh, one I haven't really had in a while, and I forgot how pretty good it is. It's the uh, the Wheat Burst, which they oh, describe yes. as fruity, hoppy, unfiltered. So it's got a little bit of that sort of hoppy bite to it, but it's not officially an IPA. So it's, 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 it just strikes a nice balance of different things. Yeah, I, I find it's one of those if you want to start dipping your toes into some of our hoppier recommendations, mm-hmm. uh, even like the white IPA. Yeah, I find it's like a hoppy, uh, a less hoppy version of the white IPA. Uh, I love pouring it out. I love that hazy, unfiltered look to it and a nice mm-hmm. tall glass. And yeah, Blackbridge, they're not a brewery. It seems like that we give enough love to. But no, they that, that was so part of my thought. Things. That was part of my thought process as well. I'm like, I haven't had Blackbridge in a long time, and I don't think we've had them on the podcast in a long time. So I'm like, no, I'm going to pick it up. And the eight pack mixer pack is a really good value at its price point, too, actually. So. Uh, that's that's fair. Except I always hate it because they got the two stouts in there. So, but although it's, yeah, I find myself getting stoutier. So maybe this is the maybe tomorrow I'll go pick some up. I'm slowly converting everyone around me to like everything. Well, and, and see, well, <laughs> the NDP, NCAA football, stouts. Pretty soon it's just going to be you know we're going into year. Is this year three of the pod? I don't even know. I don't even know. It's been long enough that pretty soon we're just going to be the same guy repeating each other. Some we'll people to... might think we're already that, so. That's <laughs> whatever. We get consistent consistent listenership and Pile of Bones gives us beer. and That's all I give a shit about. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can say all Ryder fans gave a shit about on the weekend was. Um, yes! They finally beat the Calgary Stampeders after a couple of tries and four tries overall for the sort of current era of the team after. Uh, after some really unsuccessful games against the Calgary Stampeders, one where they didn't play too bad, one where they played really poorly, and they found a way this time. It it wasn't the prettiest of games yet again, but they really got found a, a way dumb to. At the end, it got a little dumb at the end. It was a lot, maybe a little. It was closer than it should have been at the end, and we we can get into that a bit. But what a difference, basically. Well, I guess a week makes because even a week ago, after the you know sort of in the middle of the bye week. I think there's a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of talk about where this team was going and what was going to happen. And now, thanks to one win at the right time, they're they're back in the driver's seat for second place in the West. In the driver's seat, but I still not, don't... Not, not comfortably in control, but they are very much, I think, firmly in control of your own destiny range now, at least. Well, yeah, yeah, you are, but I think... <laughs> That Calgary schedule, like looking ahead, and I alluded to it last week. Like that Calgary schedule is just like they're 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 like the ends, like the 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 top ten schools that like call in a poor Appalachian State or something like that for the next few weeks here. Like they're not really playing anybody tough here over their last three games. So the Riders are in the driver's seat, but they're still going to need to to me improve on what they did and really go ahead and and tighten some things up if they want to get second because I don't see there's a way that Calgary doesn't go 3 and up. Like they're, they're I pl- mean I mean if they go 3, you know, two and a half, three quarters without scoring points again, that's the way they could lose games. I mean Bo didn't right. look great again. He he didn't, I mean, but I mean you've got Ottawa, BC and then the bombers in the last week, and I'm I'm sure by that point the bombers are are resting. Every, I mean, the bombers might be resting everybody from here on out. We, we don't know what the hell's going to happen in Winnipeg, but there's a real good chance that Calgary wins their last three games. So Saskatchewan that that, that again points out how crucial that win was because. Mm-hmm. 
Calgary's at least to me getting like the only way I see them dropping one is if Winnipeg decides to play their playoff roster in the last like basically gives the team the time off here the next two or three the next yeah the next two games and then okay let's try to ramp this back up let's get everybody back in there for the season finale against Calgary then maybe there's a two and one but like I know the Riders, and it's huge that they have pole position, and they needed it, and they needed that win. But like, I'm, st- I'm, I'm not in full panic mode. Hmm. I'm in slightly concerned mode, though. Well, I, I, the only thing I would say is I think this. Like, yes, okay, the Riders' schedule is tougher than Calgary's, but I, I, you know they've proven they can beat Hamilton. They can. I mean, Montreal looks like they're rounding into form right now, but every time we think Which we worries know, me. But but every time we think we know what the hell's going on in the East, it seems to go sideways. So, <laughs> I mean, who the hell really knows what's going on out there at this point? That's fair. Um, and yeah, I mean, they they should win both games against Edmonton, though we all both have our concerns with that. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to cruise to second place like that. They're going to need to get better, and I think they know that. But the difference is they've gotten sort of that one of their monkeys off their back now. Had they right. lost that game to Calgary, then you're in full-on spiral, and who yeah. knows where this goes, and maybe they only get saved by the fact that BC is bottoming out even harder than they were. But instead, right. it's like, okay, you've steadied the ship for a bit. There's still some work to do, but there is at least a course now. There's a direction, and it's not, oh, crap, let's panic quite to the same degree. Right. You always want to be able to control your own destiny. And that's because as 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 easier as Calgary's schedule is, if the Riders go, I believe, three and one, they finish second. Yes. Yes. Which which I'm not saying is going to happen, but I'm not going to say it's not going to happen either, given given who they play. As long as Calgary doesn't rip off a three and oh, though, I think two and two does it, too, doesn't it? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, because I got. Let me just pull up the standings. Because they, they have to be, they have to beat them out, right? Because Calgary still has the tiebreaker. Right, right, right. So two and two would be eight and four. Calgary or eight and six. Calgary, yeah. So so Calgary's got to win out, and the Riders got to go two and two. Which you would think, hey, they should be able to beat Edmonton at least one of the two games. So they just need one in the other two. Right. To and, get and, there, and realistically, they should get both of them against Edmonton. And and Cal and Calgary does have to to win out. I I said one in four heading into this stretch. Yeah. And I'm gonna stand by that take, even after the win against Calgary. They they just You like me, you just love being said, wrong. They didn't impress me much in that game. No, but they're not playing anyone that much better than them the rest of the way. They played they've played the best teams on their schedule probably already this year now. They they have, but I just I don't know. I just <sighs> It's that same gut feeling I had when when I called them to lose a couple of, to to Calgary, and it's just like uh, I I don't want to say they're falling apart because teams that fall apart, like you look at Edmonton, they're falling apart for good reasons. You know, if yeah. you if you hear some of the locker room rumblings and and things like that, like they're falling apart for that. Calgary, Bo Levi Mitchell's jumped off a bit of a cliff. Um, BC is just. They can't like our our, think... our our preseason take of Michael Riley maybe not being the the answer there or maybe part of the problem or that he is part of the problem there is starting to age a little well I think right right it's one of the it's one like a a good wine or a good scotch it's one of the few things we've gotten right so I just the writers still to me throw up so many red flags right now 
Yeah. And and that's the, the red flags are entirely fair and that's definitely why they're not anywhere near great cup favorites in my books, but I mean other than Winnipeg who is. No, it, well that's exactly it. Somebody's it's going to be somebody that gets hot and catches like mm-hmm. It's going to be somebody that, that that gets hot and catches Winnipeg napping here because Winnipeg. Does, I was I was talking to my buddy Neely from Winnipeg. They don't play a meaningful game of football for six weeks. Yeah, and I think a win like they got against Calgary is the kind of game that can turn a season around for a team. And and I hope it does. I I very much hope I'm wrong because I don't wish. I mean, I'm I'm as as big of a Winnipeg fan as there is. I mean, I I have no qualms about hiding that, but you know, like. Like I've said, while while sitting and 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 drinking with my in laws that are from Saskatchewan and sitting with my wife, that you know, let's face it, if Winnipeg's if Winnipeg's not in the game, I'm probably cheering for Saskatchewan. I want to see them win. I want to see people in this province happy. I want to see my friends happy. I want to see them do well. Right? Um, I just I worry. Like the the thing that worries me is. To me, Saskatchewan finally started getting Cody some time because Cody's running again. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they actually it's... ran some bootlegs and got him moving around a bit to give the offensive line a bit of a help. They did, and the, uh, that offensive line needs all the help they can get. Mm-hmm. The thing that worries me when you start doing that is Cody's going to get hit. And, and yeah, we saw what happened but... when Cody got hit. But we also see what happens when Cody doesn't run. He's just not a he's just not a pocket passer. No, no, you're you're absolutely right. I I liked I liked uh and and you and I were talking about it. I liked the bootlegs. Mm-hmm. I liked getting him out. I liked getting him space. Or the touchdown uh, when they you know they roll out wide side, which seems to pretty much always work. And I don't know why right. teams just don't do it on every single play at the goal line because it's going to be successful at some point. <laughs> right. That's that's exactly it. Everybody's everybody stacked in the middle. Go to the side where there's like two people, right? Yeah. And, and then like release a tight end, and you're pretty much always open for a touchdown. Exactly. <laughs> and, if you, and if you can do play action, which I think Cody has a pretty good play action motion, you're generally going to get one of those guys that you diving into the middle. So uh, they did. They did a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody's got his weapons now. I think Calgary had to respect those, but again, the core of my worry is. Bo Levi Mitchell looked like shit. Like, but was it, I mean, yeah, I think the defense deserves some credit for that because they threw a lot of different looks at him that they didn't see the last two games. No, and and they did. This this seemed to me like the the game that this is the game that Craig Dickinson, the game plan Craig Dickinson didn't want to break out. Right, you yeah. and I talked about this a month ago. How you know if this third game was meaningless, you were basically going to see everything be vanilla. And it was fairly vanilla for the first two games. And Craig Dickinson dug into the playbook, showed different looks, the kind of things that Craig was probably thinking, okay, I'll keep these in my back pocket for the playoffs. And he had to use them then. Again, I think this coaching staff is good enough uh, that they're going to be able to come up with another scheme to beat Calgary in the playoffs. But I, I... You had a really bad game from Bo, and you beat him by three. And well, if you're playing... I mean, they beat him by three because of stupidity. Because of because of a bit of a brain fart at the end of the game. Like, let's be honest, that was really a ten point win in, right. in, in reality. I, I agree that that game was decided because um... because yeah, if you missed it or you didn't quite remember, or you you know you fell asleep or something late in the game. Um, or you shut it off like I did, and then, yeah. and then got a text from, well, I'm putting the kids to bed, got a text from you, this is so dumb, and I'm going, oh, spicy, what did I miss? 
so it was late in the game, about two minutes left. Um, riders get called on a time count violation, which of course is in that situation, lost it down. So that made it third down and they had to punt back to Calgary. Calgary comes right back and scores to make it the three-point game. And that made the onside kick an important thing, which Duke Williams already paid off by catching the onside kick. <laughs> um, worth worth the 150 grand for half a year. Yeah, so, and that's just, I mean, we've, we've all seen Cody's sort of issues with clock management and that sort of stuff before, but that's an, also a moment where the coaching staff needs to be more aware and call the timeout that they still had in their pocket to uh, avoid that loss of down, and then probably none of that even happens. Well, and, so that, and, that's and, just, that's just, that's a little side thing there, but yeah. I, I know, but I feel like that's part of the thing that's giving me the bad taste in my mouth. Like, how does nobody on that staff, and they're all on the sideline, right? Like, Jason Moss is not upstairs. Craig Dickinson is, is on the ground. You got Cody Fajardo. You've got the other quarterbacks. How does nobody notice to call the timeout there? That's that's it's it's little things like that and the discipline issues that continue to worry me a bit about this team, despite the fact that this this win is it honestly, let's face it, this 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 take is probably going to be terrible. And I feel like the rider's going to rip off a three and one because I John with a bad off. take. Wow. No, I, I, I never, I never would <laughs> have suspected such a thing. Happens. Never. And I, I will lean into my bad case. Just <laughs> asking about my Johnny Manziel uh, take that, you know, was one of the first, like, three episodes of this podcast. But mm-hmm. um, there's enough there that, like, little things like that, like, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Like, the, like, the, the only the only thing I would say is I think, other than Winnipeg, every team, in, every other team in the league right now has some kind of bad red, really big red flag that you would say. Oh. There, there are reasons why every team in the league other than Ottawa and Edmonton at this point, you could say could, and maybe even BC, could win the Grey Cup. Yes. And there are a bunch of reasons why basically every other team besides Winnipeg, you could say, won't win the Grey Cup. Winnipeg, the only reason you can say they won't win the Grey Cup is because they stubbed their toe at the wrong time. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, Winnipeg will need to shoot themselves in the foot. I would say it would be kicking, but then they went out and got our boy, right? Mm-hmm. Who I'm kicking. Again, so wait for that damn jersey number, Winnipeg. I need to buy a jersey. I put... One of those royal and 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 on on the other side of the coin because you know we're here to give credit where it's due as well like we do on this podcast. Yes. Um, you could argue the Riders won that game because of Craig Dickinson and the coaching staff as well. When there was conversation on the broadcast and a little bit online about the third and goal situation from the three. Yep. Late when that game, I believe it was tied at the time, or it was three point rider lead or whatever. It was a three point rider lead at the time, right? And you know, Glenn Suter is going about, oh, I don't know, should they go for it? You know, though he was praising Calgary for getting the stop and kicking the field goal. And before the cameras had even gone back to the field, before the cameras had even, like, acknowledged anything that the offense is going back out there, I tweeted. I was like, go for it. Yes. There yes, was, there was, yes. it was, it was 100%. The only answer in that spot was to go for it. I don't care what anyone else says. It was the right call. Even had they not converted the touchdown on that play, which I believe is the one where they rolled to the wide side and got the touchdown. That, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, even if they didn't, it would still remain the right call because Calgary hadn't done anything on offense in like two and a half quarters at that time. And, and you got them. And, and you, you would have had, the they would yard. have had, yeah, you have it in the three yard line. They would have had to go 107 yards, score a touchdown. So if they do, I guess tip of the cap to you, but they got rewarded for being aggressive and playing to win rather than playing not to lose. And, you know, the, you know, sort of the brain fart at the end of the game aside, that was the moment that won them the football game. So the coaching yes. staff deserves credit for that decision as well. 
Yeah, they almost like canceled out their uh, to use the old timey fifties term. They almost canceled out their boner at the end of the game. I just <laughs> finally had a chance to use it. Um, you're right, and I'm and and you and I are huge advocates for going for it more. Mm-hmm. Like just. <laughs> Go for it because, again, like you said, the worst thing that happens to you there is you, you tell has to go 107 yards for a touchdown. So yeah. I, I love that decision. It was a gutsy decision. It was a great play call rolling out Cody to the right. Uh, and I, I you're right. I, I will give them lots of credit because that's the kind of thing you need touchdowns to win football games. You're mm-hmm. not going to win football games scoring field goals. And we've said that before. And everybody that watches football knows that is the truth, right? You yep. need a touchdown, even just to make your op- opponent bleed their own blood to use the famous line from dodgeball a little. So uh, I love that decision. I, I love the aggressiveness and I even, I love the aggressiveness and it, it was shitty that it didn't work out the last time they played Calgary, mm-hmm. but I love the aggressiveness that the, the Jason Moss are at a show. I know a lot of football traditionalists are robble, 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 do the math. If you go for it, basically, basically the math says you should always go for it past about your 45 yard line. Right? So I like that. I like that a lot. I like the execution of the play. There are a lot of good things with this Ryder team. Mm-hmm. I, I am simply basing my ter- my soon-to-be-terrible take off of nothing more than a gut feeling and and just a, like this overwhelming sense of doom that, that, that those two straight losses to Calgary gave and built this football team. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's there's I, I, those feelings I don't think are wrong. There are certainly still flaws with the team, and we'll, in the final four games here are going to be sort of the litmus test here. It's, we are going to learn a lot about the team over the last little bit here, still thanks to the shortened season. It'll be, okay, is there, you know, are there true pub, really big problematic problems with this team based on what we saw against the Calgary team, or are they just not a team that matches up well against Calgary, and maybe they right. roll over the other teams like they have other than Calgary and Winnipeg? Right. Yeah, and the only downside for the Riders, if that ends up being the fact, is they have to go through Calgary and Winnipeg to get to the Great Cup. <laughs> right, you're you're not wrong there, and, and that's and that's a great point, Joel. That you've got two losses against Winnipeg, two losses against Calgary. You know your two your two biggest rivals. Like, there's not. You're right. They they are, and I and I had kind of forgotten that 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 puts them six and zero against everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. And as you said, maybe they just, I, I feel like Calgary's just a bad matchup for that team. Uh, like, I think Winnipeg. so too, because like, I, I like in none of the games in any of this, any of these three games, did I walk away from that game being thoroughly impressed with the Calgary Stampeders? No, no, it was just, it was, it was weird, grindy, yeah. who makes the, the least mistakes win kind of football, like good matchups for, for both teams and both players. Uh, a few like the, mistakes over, overall, out of everybody. Yeah, like overall the three games, it felt like Calgary was a team that started strong but couldn't sustain it. While Saskatchewan was kind of slow, and out of the two or the three times, just couldn't get that extra push over the hump when they needed it. Well, and and that's and that's it. I still feel that even if things get a little wacky here and Saskatchewan ends up as a three seed, mm-hmm. I still feel like they beat Calgary in the playoffs. Yeah. I yeah, don't know. I what think the hell they happens. Yeah, I mean, in one game playoff, anything can happen, and you know, I would put their odds probably at at least forty-five, fifty percent going into McMahon, which is something you didn't used to say, but I think no. that's that's just fact this year. I don't think no matter whether the West semifinal is in Regina or it's in Calgary, it's basically going to be a toss-up. Yes, 
I, I would I would absolutely I I'd, I'd give a slight edge to Saskatchewan it uh depending on weather and all that in Regina. Mm-hmm. Uh I again I the thing that worries me though is is I you know you you go get the deep threats you go you, you know Cody's got to pass the ball more you're a little worried about him running you haven't really established a run with Powell really really well this year and then you got to play playoff football that's the only slight worry I have but you could make the same argument against Calgary again the only team that it's just Winni- it's funny Winnipeg's been so good this year mm-hmm. that you forget that teams generally have flaws in some as- that everybody's got <laughs> flaws in aspects of their game because yep. like Winnipeg has just been dummying teams and yeah. I am here for it yeah I mean Winnipeg's flawed has been their kicking game and once Sergio's in there they'll be fine Exactly, and even and even as um, Akuna Matata got in there and was just fine, I I, I kind of wanted him to shut the bed to make sure Sergio got in the next game, but you know I can't have all my wishes come true. No, absolutely not. Um, some Ottawa fans may have had their wishes come true now. I knew as soon as that left my mouth, I'm like, <laughs> he's going to transition and use that. It was almost like, see, we're at the point now. Yeah. we're like a volleyball setter, and your transitions are the spike. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, big news today on a Monday, as we record on Mondays now here on the Three yes. Down Greencast. Um, Marcel Desjardins, unsurprisingly, maybe only maybe the timing is maybe a little surprising. Uh, he's out as the Red Blacks GM and quite spicy out the door as well. Yes! As a guy that has last, left his last few jobs and making sure everybody knows why I left, <laughs> I am a fan of Marcel Desjardins looking at the red blacks and going yeah i'll pack my shit but you guys made a mistake like oh i love the confidence of that man like i would hire him in my front office in a heartbeat just for that line you're getting you know you're getting the pack your shit talk and you basically tell him you're making a mistake i'll see you later and then comes out in an interview and says there's a bunch of shit you guys don't know that's happening behind the scenes all of this from a man who had a regular season record of 46-71-2. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, love... and specifically, the last two played seasons have been particularly bad. Well, and that's that's exactly it. He he got he made he had he used he weaponized his cap room to make the team very good very quickly, right? Mm-hmm. And I get it. This year, you know, you lose an all-star offensive lineman. You lose Brad Sinopoli, a leader and an all-star, right before the season starts. But two men do not make a football team, right? So yeah. um, as a big Paul Lapolis guy, it, 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 it sucks that they're struggling because I want to see good things happen for Lapo. But on the same note, like, if he doesn't win the Grey Cup, what? How, this move happens three years ago. It probably happened sooner because I mean they were never, they never really like topped out as like elite team if I remember correctly. Like the year they won the Grey Cup, they were below five hundred. They've always kind of hovered around that mark, right? Right, right, right. The year they and the other year they made the Grey Cup, they had twelve wins, which right, you yes. know, again was was his ability that he took an expansion team that had cap space and went out and 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 like I said, weaponized it, got all these players, signed everybody because he wasn't in cap hell, 
and they just went on one of those fluky, stupid runs you see sometimes at the CFL when you actually won the Grey Cup. You played a Calgary Stampeders team that was so talented through the air on one of the shittiest weather nights outdoors. If that game is played indoors, if that game's played at BC Place or or the Sky Dome, <laughs> like uh, or or the Big O. I think Calgary wins that game like in a landslide, but you got, you got lucky, you got outdoors. So that's the only thing that he could hang his hat on was a fluky team that ran to the gray cup. And this probably would have happened two years ago. And it, it never seemed like he was well liked. He seems like the Joe Mack of the Ottawa red blacks. If you ask any bomber fan about Joe Mack, they'll tell you how terrible he was, or I guess even um, Danny Barrett to a degree here in Saskatchewan, although I don't think he did a terrible job. That's a spicy take for you. So, um, yeah, not a surprise that he's been let go. But no, I think we all knew it was coming at one point. Um, I will say this in the game of football, coaches do have a lot of input in who their player, who their players are. Right. Um, so I don't think Paul Apolis has, you know, is innocent in this completely. Um, no. from, you know, sort of rumblings, there's, there is stuff going on behind the scenes there in a lot of different ways. And I'm not saying that Marcel deserved to keep his job for what happened. I mean, football is a results-based business and, you know, this year and in 2019, the results have not been good for the Ottawa Red Blacks. And, you know, I, I, I don't blame Marcel Desjardins for saying what he said. Of course, that's what he's going to think is that they made a mistake, but ultimately, this is football and this is, you know, this is what happens. We've seen general managers and coaches fired for less. Right. So it it was a move that unfortunately had to be made. And I will say this about Paul Apolis now, you know, they want to bring in a guy that's going to keep him on. I I don't like when teams do that, but nonetheless, I also believe in coaches getting more than one year to try and do their thing. So, but now the pressure is going to squarely be on him because it's going to be okay this has to work now because that next GM has no loyalty to you. No, absolutely right. Now, (laughs) the comical thing was how quick on your timeline were the Chris Jones to Ottawa tweets happening after like this was announced? I don't know. I I didn't watch that closely today. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, (laughs) I had a chance. It was right when Max was waking up from surgery, basically when this happened and like every CFL fan out there was like, Hey, and I even saw, I think it was Fonzie, Fonzie Van Dam, one of one of our one of our loyal listeners and all around good guy, tweeting out that he used Chris Jones, but in the Chris and the Jones he used dollar signs, and I, I, I that was a subtle touch, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Ottawa does, especially with the fact that they are basically telling somebody to play nice with Paul Apolis and. I'm with you. I'm with you, Joel. I, I think any coach needs two to three years to really fully install stuff. Um, I think the Nick Arbuckle thing kind of screwed them over, right? Who knows, you know, if they were able to open up the purse strings to keep him. Uh, Matt Nichols, as he so often is, was injured uh, and just not very good. So it'll it'll be very interesting in in Ottawa to see who they uh, bring in to replace uh, Desjardins. Yeah, and I think you know it's probably I would say at this point looking like I would say maybe the only job that opens this year, barring something like unless someone leaves for right. the NFL or something. I think we talked about this before too, where it seemed it seemed like a year where everything should be fairly stable in the CFL. 
Like, I don't see any, like, okay, Hamilton hasn't quite reached expectations, but they could still win the Grey Cup, and ultimately I don't see a knee-jerk reaction there. No, right. None, like, Rick Campbell's going to get at least another year in BC, I would imagine. Right, because they haven't now been, Edmont- they, Edmonton's been bad, Edmont- but not atrocious, right? Yeah, Edmonton's the only sort of wild card on the board here where something may happen once the season is over. If the board believes in science, something should happen before the season's over. He's Jacques Cartier. Show's over. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.